Acts chapter 17, verse 29 says, There, well, at the end of verse 28, it says, For we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are of the offspring of God, we ought not think of that divine nature is like gold or silver or stone or something shaped by art and men's devising. Lord Jesus, speak to us. We want to thank you for your, your touch today. We want to thank you for, for being in this place. We thank You for Your mercies, O God, that are new every morning. We thank You, O God, for Your grace that You've had always leaning towards us. And we worship You, O God. We worship You and we praise You and we give You our love. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank You, Jesus. You may be seated. In Acts chapter 17... And starting at verse 16, verse 16 through 31 here, we find the story of Paul in Athens, Greece. And today I, I want to talk to you about a relevant Christ or the relevancy of Christ. And, um, but we find here Paul has made his way to Athens, Greece. If you went back a couple chapters, you would see that Paul had been in prison and the place was shaken. You know, and that all sounds really cool, right? Except Paul first had to go through a beating and be placed in prison and placed in the dark place, not knowing how God would turn things out, but he gave worship to God at midnight. In the darkest moment of his life at that time, in the darkest part of the day, Paul began to sing with Silas and they began to worship God. And so then they made their journey and as they made their journey, eventually he ends up here in Athens. And there's some points I would just like to bring out in the next few minutes. But in Athens, Greece here, we see in verse 16, it says, uh, you know, I got it here in the New King James in my notes, so we won't read it out of the King James since I gave them the New King James for the board. But it says, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw the city was given over to idols. Now something got a hold of me here because Paul walked into the city of Athens and he saw that this was a place where they liked to worship this God and they worshiped that God and they worshiped this God. They didn't just worship gods, they were very religious about it. They were really into it. It mattered to them that they had a temple for this one. They had a statue for that one. And Paul walked in, and he walked into this place that did not live for God. Yes, there were Jews there that did. But he walked into this, this heathen place, and something got a hold of him. There was a stirring in his spirit. Oh, I don't see it as a stirring of Paul being angry. How dare these people worship these false gods? No, he said there's something in this people that is hungry for something greater. And they've been searching here, and they've been searching there, and they've been searching over here. Now, Paul was waiting for his companions to come, but he couldn't quite stand it. And so he first goes, as his custom is, to the synagogue. And you know what he's doing when he's there, Bishop? He's like, did you notice these people? They're really into this. Look, look at them over here. 
Look, they got this God, and they got that God, and they got this one over here, and, and they're doing this, and, and look at all their worshipers over here. And, 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 and he's having conversations, and he wouldn't let it go. I, I wondered what these conversations were. I wondered people were like, okay, 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 okay. You know what, we're a heathen, we're, we're in a strange land here, Paul, and, and it's tough to live here in Athens. But he walks over Sister Dana, and he gets into the marketplace. And, and in the marketplace there, there was, in Athens, there was lots of debate. And he said, you know what, I'm going to do that too. And he gets over in the marketplace and he says, hey, hey, what about all these gods over here? And, 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 and you know, I got another god over here that I could tell you about. And, and, and one you haven't met yet. His name is Jesus. And, and he starts to share. You know what he did? He saw a hunger and a need in the Athens and in the world. And he identified with their problem. And he said, I got a solution for you if you will listen. Oh, when I saw this. I see some things in Paul right here where he wasn't intimidated by the statues. He was by himself. He didn't have Silas here this time. And you're like, well, you went through a beating over here. Paul went through a lot of suffering. And yet he hit, hit things head on. He's like, you know, I've been through trouble before. But I found that God never left me nor forsake me. And you know what? I'm not going to leave him nor forsake him. Do you know what I did to the Christians before God knocked me down? I don't know what I'm going to go through, but I'm going to go through it with Jesus. Oh, a boldness got a hold of him. Oh, his heart was stirred. You know what? Paul knew he might get stoned. He knew he might get beaten. But he said in his heart, you can see it in his actions. My God is greater. I am not intimidated by the circumstances of this world. Oh, my wife came home talking about the schoolhouse. Paul would not be intimidated by the schoolhouse, and neither do we need to be intimidated by the schoolhouse. Instead, there are people that are suffering. They are down and out. Oh, they're a mess. Oh, people tell them you're this, and then they say, well, no, you're that, and this is okay, and that's okay, and you can fill in all the blanks right there. I got some filling in my brain right now. I chose not to say them, okay? So they tell you, and they, and they war on our children even, but this is a place where God can shine. Oh, we live in a nation, oh, that embraces, uh, um, it embraces the idolatry of abortion. Oh, and it, it shoves homosexuality upon our people and it tries to tell you that that a girl being a man is okay and a man being a girl is okay and then they go out and they try to tell you this addiction's fine and that's addiction's fine and and they want you to accept the mess oh but i'm telling you here today my god is able to deal with any mess ah, i think i'll hit on this one too you know, we've been in a pandemic, and now they've called it an endemic, and they're hot to trot. You know why it's an endemic? Because once it's spread throughout society, no health care official can seem to do anything about it. And I read one article where the state said we called it an endemic, and now we get to put our monies towards other problems. But you know what happened when sin infected our world and it spread throughout all humanity? Oh, people said, well, just accept my sin. Oh, my sin's not an issue and it's not a problem. But the God of glory said, you have an endemic of sin and I can save anybody out of it if whosoever will. Oh, so Paul entered into this place. 
And something stirred within him. Because he understood that if they just got an understanding of who Jesus Christ was, that they would somebody would reach out and it would change their life. And so he kept going to the places where it mattered. You know what you get to do? You get to identify in your world the thing that has gripped people. And then you get to look to see how can I reach them. I asked God downstairs even this morning. I said, God, what is our Mars Hill? What is the thing that's gripped a hold of us? What's the thing that should stir our hearts? And, and I was like, God, is it, is it money in Omaha? Is it money? And, 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 and I'm still talking to God a little bit about this, but one of the things that struck me is in America, we have an addiction problem. And it's not just pornography and gambling and alcohol. I've seen some articles and they talk about all the binge watchers out there. And they say we move from one addiction to the next addiction. Oh, you see it in how we spend monetarily. We spend through the roof, not just as people, but as a country. There is something, the highs and the thrills have gripped our nation. But with, it's because people are looking and they're searching. They're looking for something that will fill the void in their life. But when we can turn them to Jesus Christ and we can say you get a hold of Him and you commit your life to Him, He'll take you on a journey that you'll never regret. So I urge you, Church of Omaha, today, you are commissioned by God to go throughout this city and in your prayer life, go ahead and begin to pray against the things and the addictions that bind this people. Pray against them because you are commissioned. You are sent by Jesus Christ and you are sent by this church. Oh, you have keys to the kingdom of heaven. So you go ahead and you live it in your neighborhood and you look for those opportunities and you do not be afraid, but you go ahead and you speak it. Speak it out. And so Paul, he's teaching and he's preaching and he's getting in there. And, and finally, finally they say, what new doctrine is this? Why do you think they're, what, what, what is this here? And, and they begin to talk to him. And they called him, and they wanted him to come, and they wanted him to speak to them. Paul, they said, hey, what's this guy? What, what's he talking about? He's a proclaimer of foreign gods. And, and so they brought him before, and, and Paul, he began to speak to them. And they said, well, you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all Athenians are foreigners. Who are they? Or, where they spent their time in nothing else but to tell or to hear of something new. Then Paul said, men, in, men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I found an altar with an inscription to the unknown God. Oh, this very religious word right here. King James calls it superstitious, very superstitious, and very religious to be truly religious means that you have an awe and a fear of God. And we need to have an awe and a fear of Jesus Christ. We need to be in awe of Him. But Paul noted that they were in awe of things and in fear of things they didn't need to be afraid of. They didn't need to give their attention to these little gods over here. These things that couldn't do anything 
for them. Oh, hallelujah. You know what we've got a problem in this country? Is sometimes in our culture, as Christians, we begin to get a little bit afraid of other, quote, little gods out there. What can this thing do to me? Or what can that thing do to me? We're a little bit like Abraham when we visit the new community and we're over there. And what did Abraham say? Hey, tell them you're my sister because if you tell them my sister, then they won't kill me. Why? Oh, I didn't know if God would be respected here. I didn't know if God could do His work here. But I want to tell somebody tonight that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You don't have to be afraid of the terror by night. You don't need to worry what flesh and blood would do to you. You need to worry about God. He holds everything in your life. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Verse 3 of Psalms 91 says, Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your sword and or shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the tear by night. In the name of Jesus Christ, I come against the fear that would try to possess the people of God. I want you to go ahead and proclaim it with me. We rebuke you, fear, and we cast you out in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, go ahead and look that thing that tries to haunt you in the face. And you tell it, you don't own me. In the name of Jesus Christ, I own you. Jesus has authority over you. Hallelujah. 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 And so he began to preach to them. And he began to tell them they didn't need to be superstitious. You know why? He knew Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Oh, he was trying to tell those people, hey, if you could just trade your fear. Oh, these things you've given your, your obeisance to and your life's commitment to, they don't own you. Instead, go ahead and look towards Jesus because there's a difference when you fear Jesus. It's not a fear where your, your knees are shaking and you're trembling, but it's an understanding that He is in complete control and that your hand, His hands are over your life. Oh, how exciting is that? Oh, you know what it's like when you're like, problems come, and Sam, you're like, but my dad's got me. I'm under His hands. I'm under the fear of Jesus. Oh, I'm under the fear of Yahweh. He's got me. Oh, hey, hey, Sam, temptation comes your way. Come do this. The devil wants to whisper in your ear, and you're like, no, 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 no. I'm under the fear of Yahweh. I'm within his protection. Oh, and if you try to come do something to me, you better watch out for my daddy because he's got me. He's got me. He's got me. And then Paul hits the point that we were at at verse 29. Verse 25, I'll read that. He said, Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, 
and has determined their pre-appointed time in the boundaries of their dwellings. And then skipping back down to what we opened with, for we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are of the offspring of God, we ought not to think of that divine nature is like gold or silver or stone or shaped by art and men's devisings. What he was telling them in that moment was there's a God that I'm introducing you to you. His name is Jesus. And he gave them some insight. You know what it was? He's not some piece of plastic over here. He's not a piece of wood. He's, he's not some stone. We're his offspring. You Grecians are his offspring. You know what that makes you? You know what that makes him? It makes him living. It makes him somebody who cares. It makes him somebody who hurts. It makes him somebody that what you do matters to him. And what you go through matters to God. Oh, hear me, world. Hear me, Omaha. Your life matters. Church of Omaha, you can preach this to your family. You can preach it to your neighbors. You can preach it to your co-workers. Their lives matter. And we have a God that's not made out of silver or stone. Oh, but He is touched. Oh, by their infirmities. Oh, they are His offspring. And God cares about them. And Paul let them know. He said, truly the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commends all men everywhere to repent because He has an appointed day on which all... Um, in which all men, everywhere, I've skipped over my verse, he will judge the world in righteousness. He was saying to him, you know what's going to happen is judgment's going to come. But it wasn't Paul saying judgment's going to come like, ha, ha, ha. He was saying God loves you. And there will be an end to this. But he doesn't want you to suffer this end. We have a God that's touched you know what we have? Before I come back to my final point here. We have a God that is relevant to any circumstance, struggle, or trial. You see, looking back globally over this story, Paul did not come to them and preach to them from the Old Testament. When he went and talked in the marketplace, it wasn't some odd thing that someone would come and debate and speak in the marketplace. That's what happened in Athens. But what was odd is that he brought something new to them that was life-changing. And you don't need to be afraid of whatever circumstance the co-worker is in that you, that you work with. Because you can minister to them where they live at. I'm an engineer. You know what I have in engineering? Everything is by design. And when you look and you think it was by chance and by circumstance, I want to tell the other engineers out there that just as you've carefully designed your product and you've tried to put it into shape and into motion, so I have a God who has designed your life. And the problems you go through, He's working them over and He's saying, I can take care of that one. 
And He's got you on the table in His workshop. And He's saying, here's what I can do. And so when you look out across all the skyscrapers and all the buildings and you understand they're by design, I want you to know you're by design too. Your life is not an accident. You can share this with the people that you meet. They matter. Their life is not an accident. You see, God is relevant to every circumstance, every situation, every problem. He is God of all gods and Lord of all lords. Oh, Paul did not have to be afraid in Athens because he understood there wasn't a single thing there that God could not and would not overcome. And it is the same for us today. Can we give him a hand clap? We are His offspring. If we could stand to our feet. Because now I want to just close with this. Just as those that you're trying to reach are His offspring, so I want to remind you that you are His offspring. And we ought not to think of that divine nature like gold or silver or stone or something shaped by man's hands. He's a living God. He's a living God. And I've referenced this scripture a little bit here today, but Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Our confession to Him. I'm not turning back now, Jesus. I'm making my confession and my commitment to you. I'm holding fast. Why? Seeing we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. He went through everything we went through and he's gone before us. And then he came back and he put, a, he put his spirit within you. We have a high priest who's passed through it. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. There's no valley too deep. He knows your weaknesses. And he says, I understand. And I haven't walked out on you. We have a high priest who cannot, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points, all points, tempted as we are, yet without sin. Oh, you know what would have happened if he sinned? We wouldn't have hope, but because he persevered, we can do it too. Not because I don't mess up or make mistakes or I haven't sinned once again. But because His blood is still there and He's covered me. So He says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time 
of need. We have a relevant Christ. Could everyone raise their hands in this place? You matter to Him. I know we've prayed and we've sought the face of God, but I want us to just reach out and dig your fingers into Him. You matter. Oh, He went through everything. He was tempted in all points like as we are. He sympathizes with your struggle. And He's telling you, you don't have to be afraid of the terror by night. Jesus, go ahead and talk to Him. Talk to Him. 